It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry we're laughing. It's just, that was bad timing. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to the BIHA podcast. I'm joined with, uh, well, joined by, rather, Nick Ivo. How are you doing, Nick? I am, Rambo. I, I'm good, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing very well. As you can tell, early season jitters with that intro, but um, I'll, I'll live. Uh so you've just been in Doha, how was how was that compared to here? Um probably the polar opposite of Newcastle right now. Warm. Um warm really, very warm. Uh it was uh the Middle East is always as an eye opening experience for anyone who's ever been there in any kind of work capacity before. It's uh, it's a different world in, in many, many respects. But um uh, I know people have accused me before of having uh, a dictatorial way over over some of the Northumbria guys, but it's a little bit different when there's a, a small army of locals who are at your beck and call, which is uh, always interesting. Yeah, um, and of course, uh, Doha, are they quite big in the hockey? Are they excited for the BIHA season over there? Oh, they, you know what? We signed so many autographs at the, uh, at the airport and so many people just obviously... Really stoked for another big BYHA season out in Doha. So, uh, yeah, right. They're all right, eagerly awaiting this podcast. They're kissing hands and shaking babies. Or, sorry, uh, yeah, shaking, <laughs> shaking hands and kissing babies. Uh, I think in that kind of place in the world, Ram, where you'll be very careful what you do, otherwise, you'll be uh, looking at the same four walls for quite a while, I'm afraid. <laughs> right, so, uh, so Nick, um, I think uh, we'll, we'll break this up a little bit. Um, so we'll start off with some uh, some chat about the check-in, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about a, a nice little project that's going on, and then we'll uh, have some chat about non-check-in, a little bit of chat about international stuff, and uh, we've got a couple of good interviews on this pod. So um, we'll just uh, we'll just introduce them in our usual haphazard manner. How's that <laughs> sound? That sounds perfect to me. Right. Okay. So we'll start off with the uh, Division One North. Um, I hope you've now got the schedule for that open, uh, Nick. Yes, I have. Good lad. Um, season opens not as the as, a tra- as is tradition in the north uh, with Nottingham against Sheffield. Um, so uh, that that's that's a half two face off as well. That's a tasty little number. Uh, what what do you reckon? I mean, last year Sheffield won the, the Nationals for the first time in a wee while. Yeah, it looked pretty solid doing it. Do you think we'll see the Bears come out flying in the cup, or will it be kind of the usual lacklustre Bears in the cup, and then it comes all together for the Nationals this season? Um. I don't know. You just never really know with, with Sheffield as to what you're going to get. Like it's just such a, a marmite kind of cup team in terms of across all the divisions. They either seem to be at the top or at the bottom. They, they don't seem to do the the mediocre in the middle-y kind of kind of kind of going on. But um, I'm I'm very excited for this one because it's actually the same day, Rambo, that we're we're there for the two games straight afterwards. So I might even get to see some of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you plan it, you could all get there early and and watch the game. Well, I think we're all planning on getting there early anyway, because uh, I believe we're taking a, a boatload of freshers down to go and get some ice skates. So. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, obviously Nottingham, uh, you never know what you're going to get with them in the, during the season. Um, a team that traditionally plays well at home, I think, but sometimes doesn't travel so well. So obviously their second game is a one week later. They're, um, they're making the trek up to Fife to play St Andrews. And get that out of the way nice and early. <laughs> yeah, get that out of the way nice and early. Um, and then a couple of weeks that after that, well, we've got Edinburgh, Sheffield, sort of back-to-back weekends. Edinburgh were meant to have a double-header with Nottingham, but um, the, it's a, the folly of uh, having a nice big arena to play in is they sometimes just cancel your ice for like all different things. So, unfortunately, Edinburgh have now got 2-6 split in the season. <laughs> Which Ooh. is not ideal. <laughs> They've got a very busy second half of the year. That's a that's a grim, uh, grim split. Yeah, it's a very grim split. At, at least, at least the second half they have um, one of their home game, one of their away games is in Scotland. 
they've got two in two in Yorkshire and uh, well, so Nottingham's not in Yorkshire, is it? Um, and they've got, um, but they've got the uh, what was I going to say? They've got three games at home in that in that six, so it's not quite yeah, as horrendous. Some, some good home cooking, and when you consider the St Andrews game, it's four really. Yeah, yeah, and then and then not on them at five fifteen, so that's not a bad time to travel there either. No, um, no. So uh, Nick, looking at that, who, who what, what are you thinking? Where are you thinking this is going to end up? Again, like uh, starting off, apologies, Leeds, deep apologies because you're not within my thinking. Apologies, good team last year, um, wishy washy showing at nationals unless you've signed. Uh, a couple of worldly players. I, I don't know whether you you're the same as same as Manchester last year. Like it's very difficult to compete in this uh, in this top division against all these established clubs. You then move into above above probably what's going to be Leeds. You look at um, Nottingham and Sheffield and go as we just said. Which one of these two's gonna gonna fancy it this year? I'm sure one of them will. But then you can never really look past the two Scottish teams at the top, like unless unless the, either the Eagles or St Andrews have had a massive turnover in players going off current rosters. You couldn't you couldn't look past either of those two. Yeah, um, and it's kind of the it's almost like the you know the French in rugby with Nottingham and Sheffield. It depends which one of them shows up. Yeah, uh, quite often, and and so we'll see. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past either of them to actually finish at the top, and I think Leeds could be could be kingmakers in some respect in the fact that I think they could steal a game if they've got the same goaltending they had before. Yes. I, I think there's every chance they could steal a game. So we'll, we'll see see obviously how it all plays out and uh, hopefully nothing happens with the new Leeds rink. Um, certainly, hopefully, no typhoons come and ruin this season as well. Um, but I will save my rant on that for another time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, so in the in the south, um, I've done a little a little puff piece on this. Uh, the season opens with Cambridge Blues at home. In fact, the whole season opens. This is the earliest game on the twenty sixth of October. Cambridge Blues Imperial Devils at brand new Cambridge Ice Arena. How, how what's your thinking on that, Nick? What's you know what's your thoughts on this new Ice Arena and that being the first game? Well, it's kind of. Putting on a, a BYJ hat, it's an incredible achievement and we've always talked about the more ice rinks we can get and the better the stable the club can become and the better the better everything can develop moving forward. Putting on a Northumbria hat, I'm incredibly jealous because I'd love to be sitting here with the excitement of a new ice rink, but it is what it is. But honestly, for those guys, I'm sure the amount of times, because wasn't it Peterborough they used to play out beforehand? Yeah. The amount of times those guys must have trekked across to Peterborough and like they've now got somewhere that's home, really, that is properly home. And it'll be a momentous occasion for those guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if it gives Cambridge a bit of a kick on this year in terms of if they can get off to a good start against Imperial, who obviously just joining that division. Get off to a good start. And you would say that the the South is just an open uh, <laughs> an open agenda in terms of any of those teams really could like jump out. I know London had a bad year last year by their own standards, but you wouldn't really put it past them rocketing back up to the top, would you? Certainly not, no. And, and London, they kick off the season with uh, the Red Hawks, who finished just above them last season. Um, on the same same day, obviously, it's a lot later at night. Um, so that should be another tasty tasty game because the the Red Hawks recently have started quite well and, and tripped a few teams up at the start of the season before they get kind of figured out a little bit. So, Yeah, before um, Dave starts playing for them full time. Yeah, I mean, Dave's got a, a back injury, which can only be a good thing for them. Um, so, well, he has been carrying the team for like, what, 10 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so and, and then obviously as it goes on, Cambridge again play Cardiff the following week. Uh, so Car- Cardiff get two way trips out the way pretty early going um, and then the a week later the Oxford Blues have their first game against London at home uh, with Imperial and, and Cam- Imperial hosting Cambridge in the return leg so pretty tasty affairs early on I, I have to say in this one and I, I will ask you for your for thoughts in a minute I, I don't think Imperial I, I hold Imperial as sort of this team that's going to flip flop back down to the other division they may, but I don't think it's quite as simple as that. 
Um, no, I think we, we've said for years that that team really has talent. If it pulls it all together, like we've seen them at nationals, it's easy to get a team together for a weekend, and they're always a phenomenal outfit, Imperial. Whether or not you can sustain that for four or five months across the eight fixtures is a different scenario. Yeah, obviously, I know they, they finally got it together and pulled themselves out of Division 2. It's about now rewarding themselves for last year's hard work and really showing that they be, belong in that Division 1. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the one advantage to them is that the, their travelling isn't horrendous in this division because, I mean, I know Cardiff is a bit of a trek from London, um, but I don't think Cambridge and Oxford are that far away from London. Um, and obviously London are in London, so it's not as bad as going to maybe Birmingham or a, or a Coventry or anywhere like that. So hopefully they'll travel better this season as well. Yeah, and when, and when you put um, you compare that to, uh, well, in comparison to the North, the travel's not insignificant, but it's it's a different ball game in terms of you look at the North and think away games are such a challenge for some of the, the length of travel that you look at. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Westeros, basically. The North is huge. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so if we if we flip down to the uh, check in two north um, and uh, nice week tasty weekend not in two home games in their first the first uh, two nights of the season they're playing the Wildcats will travel down on the twenty sixth of October um, and then you guys are obviously travelling uh, we'll get on to your non checking game as well but you've got a little double header with your your A's playing the B's on the 27th and then shortly and then thereafter your uh, your B's are playing their C's. Um, so that's a nice little start to the season for everyone and I think this is the earliest that there's been non-checking hockey of any significance for a while because not um, normally the non-checking season's a lot later. So how, how are you looking at that? How are you, how are you thinking that's going to pan out that season in the North? Uh, obviously... Larger vested interest in Division 2. Um, I tell you something, this this one's going to be an interesting one this year in terms of, especially now with the, the changes that we're both aware of in Sheffield in regards to them only now having one, one checking team in this division rather than two. I think that makes them not only stronger in the division below where the C team now sit, but also I think, I, I think it makes the Bs stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they were already a pretty formidable outfit last year. Um I think you can never write off Newcastle in terms of they're a complete and utter mystery bogey team that can can do anything to anyone. Newcastle could easily be sitting at Christmas in second in the standings or sitting last. It could be it could be either or in terms of they they've got that kind of all right on the night kind of feel and if they've got some good players in, who knows? Um, and then you look at Nottingham again. It's very similar to that Sheffield team in terms of. What, what strength and depth? You're probably going to be looking at how... I'm going to be interested to see how the A-team performs in that game before we play that play them, so I know kind of what level we're expecting from the B-team, if you know what I mean. So it's an interesting one, this division, and then I think you throw Manchester in there as a complete wild card in terms of some a team that, between ourselves, we didn't know if they were going to be in this division, and then suddenly now back in there, that you could literally pick any of the teams in this division could arguably win, I think. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I mean Manchester last, you know, the the season before last were an absolute powerhouse in the, in this division, um, and as, as you say, there was there's a little bit of gravy as to how strong they'll be this year. I hope they're I hope they're they're strong. I, I hope it makes for a really good fight in Division Two, um, and there's no runaway winners or runaway losers in this. I, I think I think the thing the thing I really like about this Division Two is that I can look I can look at it and see. It's, there's no gimmies from what I can see. I think every team could take a game from every other team. Yeah. Um, and that includes the, the, you know, the teams that have got B after their name. I do, I do think that they can take, they can take games off of each other. So it will be interesting to see how it all pans out. And, uh, hopefully it makes for, for good, uh, for good viewing or at least good stuff to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> for us. Yeah. I, I've, I've said to my guys that especially with this division, you're gonna have you're gonna have nights where you're gonna or weekends where you're gonna finish face the same team two weekends in a row might be completely and utterly different. Um, you're just gonna stick with the process in terms of you're gonna you're gonna play these eight games or whatever it is. You'll be very lucky if if someone goes through this division and wins t- takes eight and zero, oh, then 
fair play to them. But I think there's going to be so many twists and turns, and you're going to be looking at maybe a a six and two or a five and three kind of record is probably going to get you like really in the conversation because I think, as you said, every single game here is going to be really competitive, and you're not going to be looking at your rivals within that division and thinking you can pencil in that'll be a win, that'll be a win, that'll be a win. It's going to make it interesting that every single night. As a, as a coach in that division, you're going to look at other scores and probably going to look and go, wow, whoa, wasn't expecting that. Yeah, and also, I mean, the B teams have a bit of an advantage in the, how they build their roster because, you know, obviously you can you can, you can can use those three games um, above uh, sometimes if you're, if you're not sure on players. So you can have a player who maybe you're not sure they'll do a job for A team, gets a bit of experience with the B team, so that can actually give them an advantage at the start of the, start of the season as well. That's it, Rambo. Just give them all the good ideas. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's, it, it is what good teams do. Yeah. Um, moving to the to the south, ignore the fact it says uh, provisional. It is actually finalised. I'm just going to click that now. Um, <laughs> uh, the south, uh, the south non-check. Uh, sorry, checking two starts a bit later with uh, Birmingham hosting. Um, well, not new boys, but the returning Spitfires, which is good to see. Uh, and uh, the uh, the Kent Knights will play UCL um, in the first the first weekend. I think this uh, this will be interesting. UCL traditionally have struggled in uh, in checking. I have to say, um, I think they're they're making a more concerted effort to recruit um, and get the best players they can. Um, and fair play to them; they've not given up on it. So I, I like that. I, I admire that about them. But they've traditionally struggled. Uh, Birmingham last year. Run Imperial pretty close. The Southampton, well, it depends. I hate to say it, but it depends what Southampton were getting. Um, and Kent, I think Kent actually last year, even though they were playing non-checking, looked like a team that won't really struggle in checking. No, I think I think this 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 is the level that Kent should be should be at, and it's probably going to give them the test that they need. Yeah. Um, and having refereed in Gilliam is a very weird place to play hockey. So. Uh, <laughs> the benches are across from each other. The penalty boxes are inside the benches. It's uh, it's all I'm, odd. But I'm not even going to entertain asking why the, what you were doing there. Then. Um, I was on. I was down for the NFL and asked to referee a game in the London area. <laughs> they sent me to Kent. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and then um, Coventry they start a week after as well. And so th- this one's there's a bit more travel in this one. A bit more to do, uh, Kent, Southampton, obviously miles away from Birmingham, Coventry, uh, even, you know, and the UCL are in the, in the mix there as well. So um, I think it could come down to how teams travel a little bit. Uh, yeah, 100%. You, you're looking right there. You're straight away. You're looking at the top team. You're going to have to win all your home games and then it'll be what you can pick up on the road. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly it. Um, and if the teams that are organised for their away games are the ones who are going to we're going to do the best, I think, in that in that division. Yeah, um, I wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to call call it uh, this early, um, but I I do think that you know I think this is one where somebody could maybe get a bit of a lead and hold on to it quite early in the season. Yeah, I think the the team that gets off to the best start here, I think, is going to be probably too far in front to catch. When you if you can say, for instance, if you're a Southampton here and you go away to Birmingham and catch Birmingham, catch the Lions sleeping tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, they go in and catch them, then uh, it's it's a it's a big away win early on the board, and I it's certainly I would be looking at this division and saying points on the board is a hundred times better than games in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, so before we go into uh, non-checking, Nick, um, we obviously uh, what's going on here? Um, we obviously uh, at the AGM we brought this up and. Uh, one of our one of our own is starting um, some blind hockey in the UK. Yeah. Um, he was telling me all about it. The, you know, there's about the different rules and the different sort of ways of uh, um, like how it's to be policed and played and that sort of thing. So um, I had a chance to talk to Nathan Tree, who's a who's a really great bloke, and uh, I think we should we maybe flip flip to that now. So um, I'm uh, joined by uh, Oxford Vikings uh, Nathan Tree. How are we doing, Nathan? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, Rambo. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, getting ready for the, the start of the season slog, but um, I thought it'd be good to 
to get in touch with yourself and you could give us a bit of an update. Now, the, the last time we spoke, you'd just been to Canada and America to play blind hockey and you explained mm-hmm. a bit about what that was. Um, so we'll not give too much away because people can go back and listen to that. Um, that'll up our, our listening figures. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, could you give us a bit of an update about what you've been doing in the world of blind hockey since then? Yeah, sure. Well, since we last spoke, I went out to a training camp in Toronto and spent a week in a like a professional grade uh, training camp. And uh, they challenged me to uh, to get more people playing in this country whilst I was out there because we want to make the sport go Paralympic. So, um, well, firstly, I organised a a training session up in Widnes with the help of Planet Ice in Widnes, and um, we got. About seven of us on the ice, all visually impaired players having a go at the sport and uh, had a great time. And on top of that, I've got the support of the um, Oxford University Ice Hockey Club and Oxford University to have a session in Oxford, which is actually, oh God, it's next week on the 12th of October. And uh, we'll be doing exactly the same thing and inviting all visually impaired students and people in the local community to come down and try and sport. And so if, if anyone's interested in that, do they need any prior experience or is that? No, no. Um, we're happy taking people who've never skated before or might have not skated in a very long time. And in terms of vision as well, just, uh, you know, any form of vision loss, you don't have to be completely blind. You can uh, you can be able to see as, as long as you're willing to come and have a go, really. Okay. And um, I, I know we talked about this the last time, but what are some of the, the differences in, in playing blind ice hockey from, from uh, the, the full game, as it were? So I, the, the rules are all pretty much still the same. Um, the puck is scaled up um, and is made of like um, made of metal. And so it's bigger, but it's also got some ball bearings inside it. So it makes a lot of noise as well. So you can hear it. Um, all goalies have no vision, so they're doing everything by sound. And um, there's a pass rule once you get into the uh, once you get into the attacking zone. So there has to be one clean pass made before an attack can be um, well before it can happen, so that the goalie gets a bit of a chance. Right. So you can't just push it forward. You need to make the noise first, sort of thing. Is that uh, kind of? And it just it just like it it means the. Uh, teams have to work together, so you can't just, you know, go on a breakaway straight from the uh, straight from the um, face-off, and it it just helps um, it helps the goalies to track the puck as well as the other players. Okay, and uh, you you've played, you're obviously playing a bit. I think it's with the Vikings B this season, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Um, how are you finding that compared to doing obviously your blind ice hockey as well? To, to be honest, I cannot see the puck for most of the game. Uh, when I've got it, I'm fine. Like, I've still got my stick handling skills back from when I could seize, and I can still send a pass. Um, it's just tracking the game so much harder. Okay. And, and do you find that the communication with your teammates really helps with that? It does. Um, it's something I'm concerned about because, yeah, I'm playing with the Vikings B and I might be out there with players who've never played before or not played very much. So uh, I will actually be helping coach this season. So I'll coach communication into them as soon as possible. Well, that's that's a good 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 way to start. Um, and uh, just uh, personally, without giving too much away, Nathan, you had other big news uh, get engaged this year, was it? Uh, yeah, we got... Well, it was actually... Uh, last December, we're getting we're getting married. Uh, so I'm getting married to my fiance Ginny Matthews, who plays for the Oxford Women's Blues um, next May, and uh, we're having a slightly hockey themed wedding. So we've got some um, we've got a shooting pad just for a few a bit of a laugh, and uh, we're going to ask the uh, the official to drop the puck during the wedding. So it should be quite a good laugh. That sounds that sounds fantastic. The reason I ask is that we always love a bit of BUHA romance, so <laughs> it's uh, we feel we're bringing people together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually her. It's actually up to her that um, she encouraged me when I started my master's degree to start playing again. So it, it's her fault that I'm even in the BUHA. And I, don't, I wouldn't say it's her fault. It's our pleasure to have you, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've never loved playing hockey as much as I have since I've come come back from uh, stopping after my vision went a bit bad. 
Okay. Okay. And and uh, was I mean you've mentioned coaching there. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. What's the what's the situation, with Oxford? Have you guys started back on ice yet, or? No, we start back on. Oh, uh, well, the trials for the Blues I know are actually straight after the blind hockey session next Saturday, and then the trials for the Vikings are on the Tuesday because we've got so many players in the club, and then uh, training starts again, I believe, on Thursday the seventeenth. Okay. Um. Well, Nathan, it's been great talking to you again. I just want to, if you want to give one big last sort of pitch for anyone who wants to try blind hockey, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. Uh, if anyone wants to come and try blind ice hockey, we'll be in Oxford on the 12th of October on ice from 4.30 till 6.30. We can provide some equipment. Uh, come and get involved. That's great, Nathan. You take care and I thank you very much for your time. Great. Thanks, Rambo. So there we go. That's That was Nathan Tree there, Nick. Um, what, what do you think of this movement of blind hockey in the UK? Trying And he's, he's pushed to hopefully one day make it a Paralympic sport. I think you've got to look at things like this that whether it be current BYJ members or BYJ alumni or people that have been associated with the sport we've always talked about from a committee point of view about trying to find those people who are committed like we are to an extent and passionate not just about our own clubs but about the sport in general and developing stuff and and this guy's taking it a step further in terms of it's something that's not provided and something that is a is a massive area which there, there are loads of people out there who are visually impaired who obviously have the same love for uh, for hockey as we do, and it, it's about time that initial tracks were made to uh, to try and put something in place for them. And, and from what we heard there, the best of luck to him in terms of I think all the clubs out there we should be getting behind this and supporting this, whether or not it's in your local area or it's on a, on a national kind of scale, like. It's it's about the hockey community sporting hockey at the end of the day. I know there's a big movement with sledge hockey as well on a on a different subject, and I know a lot of people have got behind that. This is just the same. Like everything starts somewhere, and it requires the support of the whole hockey community to get behind this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, uh, good luck to Nathan, and uh, as I say, he's a hell of a bloke. So um, please support him in any way you can. Um, and I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll find a way to make that successful. Uh, moving on, Nick, um, we've, we've still got plenty of cup action to talk about. Uh, non-checking one um, in the in the north, uh, six teams this year: uh, Bradford, Leeds, Manchester, Northumbria, Nottingham Sea, Sheffield Sea, um, and it starts, as I said, quite early with you guys kicking things off essentially in the north against Nor- away to Nottingham on the 27th of October so only just a couple of weeks yeah uh, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about with with South Division 2 look at the look at the rock look at the fixtures there Rambo we'll we'll have played three games before half the other teams have even hit the ice this is about potentially this is why I've, I've been forced to our guys we need a strong pre-season we've got to hit the ground running here if you can if you have any aspirations of doing anything in this division, we've got the first three games. Let's get some points on the board. And and if we don't, we, we know where we stand, if you know what I mean. So, but, again, the earlier that teams can get ready, the earlier that teams can pull stuff together, like at the end of the day, all these these are all established kind of powerhouse non-checking teams to an extent. If they can get themselves ready and get the ice time, why why condense the season? Like, have it start as early as, uh, early as checking. But, again... <laughs> Uh, Rambo picking a winner from this lot uh, good luck because you could arguably pick top to bottom any of them yeah I, I think you're absolutely right uh, I mean it's you know, Bradford are the new boys uh, or new team and we don't know what they're going to be like Leeds B, Leeds B did pretty well in Nationals this year you know it's it's one of them where you just can't you just can't tell Um and obviously Sheffield C essentially coming in replacing their D team. Um, presumably there'll be maybe be a couple of their C team players that are, are stepping down to, to play with D team as well. Uh, sorry, they're stepping down into non-checking and not staying with the Bs in checking. Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shapes up um, and where we, where we are at the end. I really don't want to pick a winner in this one because I think whatever you say, you're going to end up wagging your face. Um yeah. I know we've not been through the full lot yet, but certainly, how many times have we done this over the past two years and we've sat there and gone, 
you pretty much pencil that that team in as the as the as the playoff cup team next uh, April, because yeah. unless something seriously goes wrong. And so far, so good. Like we want a competitive product, we want a competitive division structure. And at the minute, we're sitting here and we we couldn't pick a winner in any of them. Exactly, you're exactly right there. Um, and then I mean, if we move to the south, the south is pretty similar, except we don't have Kent and we don't have Southampton anymore. So everybody's moved up uh, to create, create the division we've got. Um, so the likes of uh, Cardiff and UCL probably um, had to do a double tape when they realised they were in, in Division 1 this year. Um, Oxford are the new are the team that would have been promoted come what may. Um, but it makes for, that makes for a really open division because, I mean, Southampton and Kent dominated that division. Um, for, the last, uh, for the last five years, arguably. Yeah, for the last sort of five years. I mean, obviously, Southampton, when they didn't have their A-team in check-in, I think last season, or I don't know if it was two seasons or just last season, it was, you know, they ran away with it pretty big style. So they, they're now, they're, they're gone. Kent are obviously gone, who certainly dominated it. And I mean, I think, you know, it's open for anyone. London, B, Imperial, Oxford, uh, three London teams in that group. Um, and you I'm, know, look, I'm looking down that list and I'm thinking we we saw a lot from that Vikings team last year and you know what when uh, when when you're feeling good and you've just come off a season where you've rolled through teams mm-hmm. you, uh, do you bounce that straight through into the next division I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah and and the Vikings I have to say they've got um you know they've got a they've got it going on they've got a good setup down in Oxford so. Um, and I think they'll be very tough to beat on the road, which is, you know, you need to pick up road points to win. You know, it's all fine being undefeated at home, but you really need those road points um, to, 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 to essentially push you over the edge. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the Vikings maybe are a slight, slight favourite of mine to win this, but I could really see London B or Imperial because the London C team were fantastic as well. So... Yeah, well, again, another perennial kind of Nationals dream team. So, yeah. And they put it together for a cup team. Yeah. Um, and then moving to Division 2 in the north, uh, currently Hull, two Newcastle teams, uh, B and C, um, Nottingham D and, and Sheffield D. Um, as it stands, there's there's five teams in that division. Um, I have to say, this division's one where I look at it and I do think to myself... This is this is Hull's to lose. Yeah, like it's Hull have been stuck in this rut for far too long. Like they have been in this division for far too long. Again, it's another example of Hull could arguably, in the past couple of years, have gone out and absolutely whomped everyone within sight. And when it's come to the come to the crunch against the other good team, they just can't put it together. Like. Now, when you look up and down that division and they're playing against, arguably, there's only Newcastle B in terms of that's a, a B team outfit. Everything else is C, C and D and below. Like, come on, Hull, it's time to time to put this together, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think maybe the the, uh, the Mavericks D team could be tasty enough. Sheffield D, with that obviously having slightly more, that could strengthen them or it could be a lot weaker because um, essentially they replace their E team in the standings. So, well, I mean, we'll see, but I really think this is Hull's division to lose. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's about it's it's time to strap on the uh, strap on the big boy pants and and do what needs to be done, Hull, to get back to where you want to be. Like, yeah, to attract such better players and be able to use these better players by being in these better divisions, and it, it, this is yeah. the only way to get there. Yeah, and then uh, in the uh, in the south. Again, this is a six-team division. This is a, a bigger division. Um, more non-checking teams in the south. Uh, Cambridge Women's, Coventry and Warwick Panthers B, Vikings B, Ulster Women's Blues, Southampton Spitfires B, and UEA. Uh, UEA uh, certainly were shocked to find themselves in this division as well. Um, but as I say, everything moved up. Uh, Cambridge Women's Blues maybe would have found themselves in Division 3 if, if not everybody had moved up. So... Um, certainly, uh, looking at this, I think I think this is a tough one to call again. It really depends how Southampton are, are dealing with that roster moving up. 
if it's this, if the roster that was playing last year moves up, then they'll do fine in check-in, and then their B team will just be their B team. But if there's a few of them stay back, then their B team could be ridiculously strong. Yeah. Again, so we, it's a tough one to call, but we'll we'll see what happens in terms of. Again, you could arguably see any. They'll. There's not a clear kind of ten and 8 and team going to walk through this. Like, there's going to be a team that's going to have to fight for this again. And hopefully, all the way through till the end of March, we have a competitive chase for all these guys. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, the Oxford Women's Blues last year had to face the Vikings. Um, they're now having to uh, to face the Vikings B. So um, <laughs> that'll, that'll be t- a little bit tasty as well. They're, uh, they face off for the first time against each other on the 3rd of November um, at the at Oxford. And uh, the Women's Blues are on the road the night before um, to Coventry and Warwick Panthers B. Um, so, I mean, it, it, again, there'll be some element of how you do on the road in this division. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't like to call it, but I mean, if Southampton have any any of the players really from last year, I think they, that maybe puts them over the edge in this one. But. Yeah, I think the, we both know Rambo. All it takes is, especially at that level, it takes one or two players can really, really carry the mail and carry a team. Right? Yeah. Yeah, um, and then uh, moving to Division Three uh, North, only four teams in this division: uh, Bradford B, Steel Queens, Leeds Griffin C, Sheffield E. Um, I would I would say, and I'm, I'm I know I'm saying like I'm tooting my own trumpet, but based on nationals last year, it could be Sheffield E, it could be Caledonia. I think. Now that is with the greatest of respect to the other two, but those two were the final last year, so that's all I'm basing it on. I'm not trying to be cheeky or anything like that. Um, yeah, and, and and to be fair, Rambo taking taking you out of the equation here, me looking at this the list, and uh, that's kind of where you're looking at in terms of we we both know the process and we both have talked at length about the the pros and cons of cup competition and, and the in particular for the Steel Queens and stuff like that and, and we both talked about it's a process and you start somewhere and and you go from there and, and this is the beginning of that cup journey for Caledonia so um, yeah I, 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 it's not going to be a walk in the park it never is no no it's going to be tough for getting used to having these lengthy away trips that aren't quite you know like that you have to do you know <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, you know you you're you've got all your cup eligible players as you as you well know Nick we've always had two or three non-student players to help us out if we're we're struggling for for challenge games but um, it's a different challenge it's a different beast um, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes yeah it's um, about teaching it's about teaching the girls that this one's a marathon rather than that nationals kind of sprint yeah and certainly I, I will I will say it's. Uh, it's going to be nice to visit Yorkshire all those times. So, <laughs> and I make got sure it right this time. There's no, make, no, no. Make sure you got your passport, yeah. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, right. So that's uh, that's the north, uh, and then looking at the south, um, Lion C, Cambridge Huskies entering. So we've now got another Cambridge team in our midst. Uh, Imperial C, London C, UCL C. Tricky one, but I think London C to me, based on nationals last year, and I I don't know if they have the two the two Chan boys playing still, but those guys were electric, um, and I really do think that this uh, I do I do think that they maybe have the edge for me uh, as it stands, because of course the Huskies are essentially Cambridge Cambridge's sort of B slash C team because they're they're a development team, um. And it's their first season, so it might be a bit tricky for them. But you know, you can't rule out anyone else. Again, three London teams in this, so they their home game, their travels less. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would have to edge towards London C winning that division. What, what's your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I, I think you look at that, and the most established, like, we're not just talking about established team here. We're talking about like an established hockey program, and. And we know we sit there, we watch all the Nationals weekends, and, and there's commonality between teams that put together a good hockey program, and especially for beginners. And you look at someone like London, always put together uh, a program for beginners, which is competitive. And, and you look at this again, and and my biggest thought is obviously, right, Rambo, even in the last 
three years that we've been doing the podcast, two and a bit, however long it is, and then the the five or six years we've been seriously talking about like this kind of stuff. How good is it to see like the expansion of non-checking and, and seeing all these new players and development players coming through and actually, rather than just having to wait through till April, actually teams being big enough and strong enough to be able to, to field teams straight away into the cup and, and so much extra hockey and extra hockey experience, it's better for the development of the game. Absolutely. And um, uh, London C, uh, of course, they, they almost had a, a fourth team in, um, although for some reason they entered the, the London women's team um, thinking that it was Nationals, uh, which was bizarre because Nationals aren't for several months. Ten out of ten for being keen. <laughs> um, so we've, we've they, they've they're not in it um, as it stands, but um, it's certainly. I mean, I, I think that as you're right, London developed their their players and they're very competitive. And uh, I don't think you can not be competitive when Cali's lurking about because otherwise, you know, he might eat you or something. So it's 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 definitely. Um, Progress and uh, this obviously Imperial C they won Tier Six Nationals last year, um, and now they're in they're in the cup. So and and look how early that season starting for it those teams. I mean that's that's the first game is Saturday the second November London C Imperial C at, at the old uh, Lee Valley Ice Rink. Um, you know it's, it's <laughs> it starts it starts quickly for them, and uh, and we'll see. I mean again I think this is one of these ones if you can get a decent start. Then it's going to give you a huge advantage come the business end of the season, which in this this particular division, the last game's the 14th of March. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, um, I, I do. Look, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing how these these non-checking divisions play out because they're always something different, and and any anyone at any time can sort of just surprise you. Uh, whereas I think the checking sometimes it's a little bit, you know, we we've said that any team can win it, but it is a little bit more cumbersome. Once you get the first results up, you kind of know what's going to happen. Um, so that was that was the, our rundown of the cup. Nick, I'm sure we'll be proven thoroughly wrong after about two weeks, but never mind. Yeah. Uh, that's a- <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Nick, um, before we go on to talk about the GBU program briefly, um, we, uh, we did have some other international uh, representation from the BIH uh, during the summer. Um uh, one of our one of our GBU players actually, and uh, and one of the players who's been registered with Oxford, uh, Solomon Smith, of course, GBU internationalist, and uh, played with um, the Sheffield Bears last year, together with Marlon Williams um, of Oxford, uh, who'd been playing challenge games with Oxford. Both went and represented Team Jamaica, and I had the chance to catch up with Marlon to find out how it all went, and here it is now. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Marlon Williams here. Um, hi, Marlon. Hey, how's it going, guys? You good? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Nice and bubbly. I like to hear that on the podcast. Of course. course. So, uh, Marlon, I I obviously got uh, wind of your your story where you were were trying to raise funds, I think, for for going to to play for Team Jamaica. So, let's let's start from the very beginning. How did you get into ice hockey? Um, Basically, I was just skating at Oxford Ice Rink as a young child. And I saw some really, really good skaters, and all the girls were attracted to these good skaters. So I go over to them, I said, how are you such a good skater? And they go, oh, I play ice hockey. And that was it. History was done. Right, I'm starting ice hockey, and that's it. And then I started playing hockey, and then I never quit. And so, yeah, I stuck with it. So there we are. Okay, and um, so where are you where are you currently playing your trade in, in the UK? Say that again, sorry? So where are you currently playing in the UK? What team do you play for? Um, I'm just playing for the Oxford Blues for non-university games and also the Oxford Vikings as well. And I also mess about with the RAF as well. Although I have been training with Basingstoke Buffalo as well. So I've just been trying to get as much ice as I can everywhere. Okay. And uh, ob- obviously, um, you, uh, as I say, your story was that uh, I saw that you had played for Team Jamaica um, just I think it was last month was it? Yeah uh, that was just at the beginning of September I just I just always used to search online for like is there a team Jamaica and what are the chances if I could ever get to play for them and, and just years down the line it happened there was like an under 20s team so I thought okay I'm, I'm over 20 years old so I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer and then they were advertising for a men's team I said I, I couldn't believe it I was like what? No way so 
basically I just contacted everyone that had their name down as a, an official, like the manager, the coach. I, I contacted everyone. And then the only person to get back to me was the manager, Lester Griffin. And then we just got talking from there. And then he's the one that arranged everything. And I'm so grateful to that man because, yeah, history has been made. And I'm just like over the moon to be a part of that as well. So. Yeah, so you say history has been made. What was the? Well, explain what was the tournament you guys were in um, at the start of September there. Okay, so the tournament is called the Amerigo Latam Cup tournament, and it's all of the Latin America's uh, countries coming together to play ice hockey to uh, obviously win the cup. So that includes like Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil, Mexico, Argentina. Also, the Falkland Islands are in there as well. Um, so, yeah, so they just wanted to promote ice hockey within the Latin Americas because obviously a lot of people don't know that people in this country play ice hockey. So they're just raising the awareness and just getting together and to see which country is the best. And this year it was Jamaica. Cheers. <laughs> Excellent. And, and what's, what's the ice hockey scene like in Jamaica? Have they got many ice rinks or do they have That's- to train elsewhere? That's the thing. So in the IIHF, we're only like a um, honorary member at the moment because Jamaica doesn't have an ice rink. So the moment we get an ice rink made, then we can join as a full member. And then obviously they're going to do their quest to try and get to the Winter Olympics. But because of our win was such a high profile win in Jamaica, they've now rushed through to build an ice rink. So the ice rink is in its final stages being planned and, and some investors are paying for it and they're going to build a hotel next to it and also a dry bobsleigh run as well next to it, so, so I hear. So, so yeah, that's all in the making because of this, this win. So it's just like creating waves back in Jamaica and, and things are on the move now, so it's great. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. Where did most of the, the guys train that were playing in that cup then for, for Jamaica? Oh, guys, those guys were Canadian and a few Americans, and they were so good. Like, I, I just can't even believe how anyone gets that good at playing ice hockey. Like, in England, it's hard to get ice for more than two, maybe three times max a week. They're on the ice, like, every day. And, yeah, it's just incredible to see. Oh, God. I'm just in awe watching these guys. Like, what? How am I playing with these guys? They're just so incredible. And um, and you obviously travelled over with uh, with one of uh, another BIHA player in Solomon Smith. Did, did you know Solomon before this tournament, or is that the first time you've met? Yeah, this uh, this tournament was the first time I met Solomon. Before that, I saw his name on the list, so I researched all the players and I saw oh Solomon, the only other guy from England. So I just asked a few players that I know, do they know him? They say yeah, I know him. He's, he's yeah, quite a good player. But yeah, that's all I knew about him. So. First time I got to meet him was when me and Lester Griffin were travelling to Fort Lauderdale Airport to go and pick Solomon up, and that's the first time we met. Right, cool. And did it help having another sort of British player alongside you? Um, I don't know. It, it, um, I don't, that's a tough question. Did it help? To be to be fair, we were just one big giant team, one big brotherhood, so it didn't make a difference like where anyone was from. To be fair, so. Um, I guess it was nice to hear an English accent whilst we was over there. We did speak to, I did speak to the uh, Falkland Islands ice hockey team, and because they were, had English accents, yeah, it was a nice, it was a breath of fresh air to hear that. So yeah, okay, a little bit. It was nice to hear the English accent. So, but other than that, it was totally fine. We were just like one big brotherhood. And uh, and is there any uh, any traditions or or you know or songs or anecdotes you can tell us about from your time over there? Uh, <laughs> let me think. What is there? What is there? Uh, uh, well, the chant we always used to shout in the change room on the ice was one, two, three, Jamaica, four, five, six, one love. And it was just our thing that we did throughout the whole tournament. Um, what other things were there? Oh, dude, there was just so much going on. It's just tough to remember. Just like, you have to be more specific with your questions here. Come on. Come on, Gray, you can do this. Uh, well, I was just, I was just wondering if there was any, like, any sing, like you had to sing a song or anything, you know, break no. ice or anything like that. No, we just, <laughs> we did do lots of team building stuff. Like we had to go and do these fifteen-minute walks and find out as much as we can about the player that was paired up with us, and then we'd stand in a group and all have to have a little laugh and joke about stuff we'd learn about each other. Um, 
so that was mainly the, the team building kind of stuff but there was no like songs or anything like that really there was lots <laughs> of music playing in the changing room and lots of like Jamaican songs being played but there was no like actual tournament songs or anything like that I wish there was now that I'm on this podcast I wish there was <laughs> um, sorry for you on the spot I know what, what, what did you did you bag any goals while you were over there any points my goal was to go over there get on the team get on the ice play ice hockey for an international side as Jamaica. So my next goal after that was to score one goal and to get one assist. I got halfway there, I got one assist, which I'm over the moon with, to be fair. So halfway to achieve my goal. So that'll do, that'll do. Yeah, well, if you're getting one assist, then someone else is getting a goal. So that's good for the team, isn't it? Yeah, of course, of course. And to have one IIHF point, (laughs) come on, I never thought that would ever, ever happen. And it has, and I'm happy about it. Uh, you've you've lived it. You've lived a dream. You've you've went and made it happen. So good good on you. Um, is you. is there a, obviously the is there another tournament next year or is there, is it going to be a couple of years? How how often is this tournament played? Yeah, there's a tournament every year. Um, this is the second year that's been run in. Obviously, the first year that Jamaica have been involved. So um, there will be a Jamaican team next year. But I think they're going to hold new evaluations and probably try and up the standard even more because there were some really high high level players wanting to play but they couldn't get out of the contracts um to play the game so so yeah i think they're gonna just boost the squad even more for next year wow well well i hope you uh, i wish you all the best in there and pursuing uh, that that second that second stint with jamaica and i hope you can uh, fly the bha flag for us some more thank um, you I, I'll, I'll try my best and I am. I also. I also owe you an apology, which you probably don't know about. Um, but I posted my mugshot, not realizing that Dave was posting your story at the same time. So I probably took some clicks off of you. So I do apologize. Nah, uh, that's all right. <laughs> hey, it's I, not about the fame. It's about the love for the game. Come on. I qu- I quickly pinned your thing to the top when I realized that I just posted a self-indulgent mugshot on Facebook. So <laughs> don't worry, buddy. I'm totally fine with that. No worries. Yeah. So um, what's what's uh, what's going to be the deal with you this season in terms of the domestic game? Are you? Going to just continue? Are you playing still with Oxford Blues and Vikings and non-cup games? Yeah, I'll still be playing with those guys. Um, I would also like to see what Basingstoke Buffalo are saying, but I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with that at the moment. So I'll have to see where that goes. But yeah, we shall see. But Oxford Blues and Vikings, definitely for sure, hundred percent. Well, if you do get the chance and yeah, you can you can make a make one of the nationals weekends. I know you won't able to play necessarily but um, make sure you come up and say hi to us up in the up in the booth yeah um, 100% I watch the Nationals on YouTube and it's good to hear, you, hear your voice your voice is so familiar to me because I heard it throughout all of the games throughout last year's Nationals so yeah I'll definitely come and say hi if I'm up there alright well thanks very much take care and I wish you all the best for the rest of the season no worries thanks for the call buddy catch you in a bit cheers then bye bye so there's Marlon there he's a hell of a bloke um Hey, he never got the chance to play uni hockey in, in full because I think he'd have been a good laugh at nationals. Yeah, seems seems that way. Seems like a pretty happy-go-lucky kind of guy, and uh, the kind of characters that we like having around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, moving on. Obviously, uh, we are BHA, so we're not just about Jamaica. Though I really love hearing about emerging nations. Um, the uh, GVU program, um, there's been news all over the, the internet about it. If you've missed it and you're listening to the podcast, then how? Because most people only find out about the podcast through all the social media outlets that we have. Um, but basically, first camp is on the 16th of October. I'm not sure when this will go out. But um, the idea this year is to have a bit of a program, Nick. Uh, not... You know, for this cycle, not have people just getting cut immediately after one trial, try and develop people so that nearer the time they can maybe, you know, see how players are in, in challenge matches and stuff. I mean, and it's uh, about long term prospects as well, isn't it? Yeah. Also, yeah, there's players um, that are at high school uh, coming to it. Um, we're trying to uh, work further afield using contacts to find players who may be eligible further afield as well to get them in touch with us uh, the camps are on a Wednesday which is I suppose not ideal to a lot of people um, but uh, if obviously class has to come first because if you drop at uni because you've been playing hockey then you won't be able to play in 
plugs, so it makes no sense. Uh, so all we're asking is that players try their best to get to camps, and if they can't, just stay in touch with us, and we'll you know keep them posted, give them some you know exercises they could be doing at home. So when we do get have have a look at them, they're they're fit, you know, and and ready. Um, so Nick, what's your, what's your thoughts on the new this sort of new vision of of Ryan Rathbones? Oh, it's a new, it's something again that we've we've all talked about at length internally and spitballed ideas for years about obviously what what could and couldn't be done and how how things would change. And I think the biggest thing is is taking obviously the the firm foundations that the GBU program had under uh, under previous regimes and and now it's about what what's that next level, what's that next objective as to what to do both for the men's and women's teams, and it's about establishing. A program that is not just a six-month, one-year cycle. It's about establishing something that you're, you're building a, a program that can last for years. And it's about bringing in those prospects at the right times and identifying players and having them even on the GBU radar before this kind of stuff happens. And like a lot of people that I've talked to before, and I know people view the GBU program in different ways, a lot of them don't even know it exists because at a club level, it's rare that you do get some of these players playing university hockey due to their commitments to other teams. But as I found out and everyone else has found out, like it's it's the case that getting these players into the university system, whether it be at the GBU level or or at the club level, helps everyone. Like how many um, how many times have we seen it that a GBU player has come into the system, got involved with GBU, and then realised, oh hey, this is pretty good fun. Actually, my institution's playing this weekend. Oh, Nationals, yeah, I'll go play for them. It, it, it helps everyone, and but it might be hard for the clubs to get behind. They don't necessarily reap the rewards of it and see the fruit of it, but you need to invest in this because it will help us all in the future. Yeah, I certainly think that the, the actual crossover between players playing at uni level and, uh, you know, uni level in the cup and stuff, and playing for GBUs is slightly, maybe slightly higher on the women's side, but I think it's getting a it's getting a bit higher in general, um, because I do think, as you say, as they become involved, and because there's now a lot more of BIGA influence on it with with people like you know Ryan who is involved in both being in, in sort of in charge of the whole system, um, and people are becoming more aware of the BIGA is is perhaps an outlet for. When their season's finished, or you know, if they're maybe in an NIHL one team that isn't quite so good and are out of the playoffs, and they want a bit extra ice time, or they're maybe a third liner in like a big NIHL team, they want to keep sharp. And th- th- there is options of, of playing BIHA. I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I don't think I'm getting any surprises here when I say that you know, NIHL one apart from the elite league is is you know. Or is it NHL? I can't remember the system now, but it, there certainly is is quite higher compared to BIHA. So a lot of these guys they'll have contracts, they'll maybe have reason not to jump back and forth, and and that's why check-ins may be a little bit down. Um, but certainly, I, I think that 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 crossover is becoming higher, and certainly these people are becoming more interested in how the BIHA works. I mean, we have Chris Cook; he he uh, has played in two or three nationals now. Um, and uh, he's quite he's quite an avid supporter of it. He phones in, he watches in when the when the um, the sort of the beginner show's been on, uh, you know, in the, in the four, five, six weekends. So I, I I do think that I know it's hard for clubs to get behind sometimes because they're thinking, what are we getting out of this as a club? But I think if you get one player that even gets to train with GBU for a significant period of time, they're bringing all that experience they've learned from that back. That's a huge thing for any club. Yeah, massive. Um, so Nick, I mean, we've we've rambled on here, and this pod now, including interviews, is probably going to last over an hour. Oh. <laughs> um, I forget it's the set, it's the second one of the season, but really, it's not a pre-season one. This is a sort of season's getting going one, so it's it's fair enough. But and uh, and what I must say is congratulations to anyone who's made it to the end. Yeah, <laughs> if you made it to the end, tweet us the word banana. Uh, to at BIHA info to win kudos because I'm not going to say there's a prize because there won't be a budget for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, yeah, everyone, thank you. Prize an interview on the next podcast. 
What was that? Sorry. The prize is an interview on the next podcast. Yeah, as to uh, how you became such a patient person. <laughs> and how you found me and you that interesting. Either that or you fell asleep and you've just woken up right now because we've become a little bit more lively because we're at the end. <laughs> yeah. So thanks to everyone for listening. Um, and uh, we've been great. And we're sure you have too. See you later, guys. Ha, <laughs> ha,